today we start a new series that we have entitled, Tell Someone. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, tell someone. Yep. The word evangelism simply means to tell others the good news. How many of you know we have good news? Yeah, we have good news. And so the word evangelism uh, just simply means to tell others the good news. And the incredible thing is that we're coming to a point in time this year where you have an awesome opportunity to, to invite somebody to church, to tell them them the good news, for them to find Jesus or to refine Jesus, family members, friends, co-workers, and that is that we are coming up to our Sunday. There are certain Sundays, we want you to invite guests every week, but there are certain Sundays that we make it even easier for you to do that, and we have our Sunday coming up that we've called One Big Sunday. Well, why is it called One Big Sunday? Well, because it's, first of all, One Big Sunday. And secondly, because we want everybody that considers Saints Community Church their home to invite at least how many people? Come on, at least how many people? Y'all are catching on good, quick. You're good at math. And so we want everybody to invite at least one. Well, Pastor, can I invite two? Yeah, you can invite two. Can I invite, can I invite 10? Yeah, you can invite 10. There's some of you that go, I have a lot of friends. Can I bring a van load? You can bring two van loads. We're good with that. And so we're asking you on this Sunday to to hone in and really focus in on bringing somebody uh, to church. And this morning, I want to start off this series with the message that we have entitled, and this has been a theme at our church for a long time, but it is simply, come and see. Come and see. Let's pray together. Lord, help us, Lord, to communicate, help me to communicate your word thoroughly and to inspire and to equip all for mission. Help our church this morning to be on mission. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? John chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. John, being an apostle, somebody that walked with Jesus, he writes one of the gospels in the Bible. He's an eyewitness account. He gives an eyewitness account of walking with Jesus. And he says in John 1, 35 through 51, he says the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. When he says John, he's talking about himself right there. And he says, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following, uh, following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be called Cephas, which, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. 
How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Come and see. I want to just begin this message today by asking you a, a question, and I'm going to divide my crowd as I ask this question. How many of you would say, I like or I liked school? Raise your hands if you'd say, I liked or I liked Wow, that's a lot more people than I expected. Uh, this morning, we have an educated crowd that likes uh, education. How many of you would say you were someone or you are someone that didn't have as high appreciation for school? Come on, y'all. Yep, yep. Some of our leaders, I see their hands raised uh, here today. Yep. So I, I just want to talk about the fact that Here's what I've learned about education I, uh, through high school, through a bachelor's, through a master's, is that there are just certain subjects that I'm not good at. And even if you're a straight-A student, there are certain subjects that you have more difficulty with than other subjects. For me, in high school, one of those subjects was math. Anybody have struggles with, come on, how many of y'all are on the struggle bus with math with me? Yep. So math was, was hard for me and, and uh, still is uh, hard uh, for me. My wife says if I see more than two numbers on the same page, I start getting scared. Uh, there's a reason why I don't run the numbers. I don't do the accounting here uh, at church. And one of the other subjects that I found very difficult, especially uh, when I was getting my bachelor's in college, and it was biblical language. If you, if you didn't know, uh, the Bible is not actually written in English. I know, you know, sometimes as Americans, we're like, oh, it wasn't, you know? No, it wasn't written in English. And uh, it, it was actually written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, which is like before Jesus showed up on the scene. And then the New Testament was written in Greek. And we had to take uh, Hebrew and Greek. We had to take these languages when I was in college. And I struggled uh, so much with these languages. It was actually my most difficult subject uh, in, in college. But I discovered something when I was in Greek class. I discovered, and I have permission to share the story, I discovered that there was a very pretty girl in my Greek class who also happened to be the smartest girl in Greek class. Now, how many of you know where I'm going with this? Hello? Yep, I discovered that I could get a weekly tutor with this very pretty girl uh, who also was very smart. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, it's Christy. She was the really smart one, and she's the one that, uh, you know, my, my wife, she's the one. No, I'm just, I'm sorry to tell you that it was not Christy, uh, but I have permission to share the story from Christy. Trust me, I got permission. Uh, I know better. So, Here's what I discovered in, in Greek class, and here's what I've discovered also about living in New Orleans. It's a principle that we all know is true, and here it is. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to know the right person. Come on. You don't need to, know, to have all the answers. You just need to know the right person. I've discovered this living in New Orleans. How many of you know 
there's a saying, and it's all about who you what? It's all about who you know. It's all about who you know. And this is how the movement of Christianity started. This is how the movement of Jesus followers begun. And what I want to do is I just want to go back and retell the story that we read from the scripture. The story goes very simply like this. There's a guy named John the Baptist who was Baptist. And, uh, and that was a joke, y'all. Let's move on. Man, slow, but we're coming along, all right? John the Baptist, and he was, God had not spoken for over 900 years to the Israelite people, and, and so there was 900 years of silence, and then all of a sudden, this guy shows up, and he's a wild man. He's a prophet. Uh, he, the, the Bible tells us that he ate locust and wild honey, and, uh, and that he, his, basically his message to everybody that he preached to was, hey, everybody, you suck, and, uh, and you need to give your life to Jesus. I mean, you could read, it's in the scripture, and I summarized his message in two words, but uh, that was basically his message, and John is baptizing people in the Jordan River. People are giving their lives to God. Pretty amazing stuff, and he's rebuking uh, religious people, which I always find really fun, and, and, uh, and so, and he's all of a sudden, this guy named Jesus shows up on the scene, and John's like, hold up, wait a minute. Okay, let's, let's move on. And, uh, and he says, wait a second. This is the guy I've been trying to tell you all about. This is the guy that I've been telling you his sandals. I'm not even worthy uh, to carry. This is the guy that is going to blow my ministry completely out of the water. This is the Messiah. His name is Jesus. And as he's saying that, there's a few of his disciples with me. Now, here's what you have to understand about being a disciple. Being a disciple simply means that you are literally dedicated to this new teacher, and you're going to do whatever that teacher tells you. Being a disciple here in, in the first century was much different than the American way, which is I'm independent, I make my own decisions, you say something, and then I take a few days, weeks, months, or years to decide whether or not I want to obey and want to do something. Being a disciple is being radically committed and surrendered to somebody. And John the Baptist is standing there with two disciples. And he turns, looks at Jesus, and one of the disciples that is standing with him as he tells this whole thing is, is named Andrew. And so Andrew's curious. And, and Andrew walks up to Jesus, and, and he doesn't know what to say to Jesus. He doesn't know. I mean, he's nervous. You can just imagine, like, John the Baptist is literally just said, hey, this is the dude. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the guy. And, uh, and so Andrew's a little nervous, and he doesn't know what to say. And Jesus asked him this question. I want you to just ponder this question uh, for a second. He asked this question. He says, what do you want? What do you want? Now, it's an interesting question, and I think it's a question that Jesus asked everybody that he, he's still asking people today. He says, what do you want? And Andrew still doesn't know quite how to respond to Jesus, but they're together, and it gets late, and Andrew finally gets the nerve to ask Jesus something, and he says, hey, he says, where are you going to sleep tonight? Where are you going to rest tonight? In other words, could I come with you? Could I, could I hang out with you? And Jesus says these words, and these are the words that I want you to get ingrained in your heart this morning as I'm teaching, and that is, Jesus says the words, come and see. Everybody say, come and see. 
In other words, Jesus didn't go through the theological definition of and all of the, uh, the promises that, that were surrounding the fact that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. He didn't go through every scripture that he knew. And trust me, Jesus knew some scripture. and He didn't go through any of that. Jesus' response to this new disciple were these words. Everybody say it together. Come and see. He said, come and see. Andrew starts following Jesus. Andrew goes back uh, to his brother, and he wants to tell his brother about Jesus. And he doesn't describe Jesus by his personality. He describes Jesus by telling his brother, Simon Peter, he says, this is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the Christ. This is the one we've been waiting for. And, And he says, Peter, I want you to, what do I want you to do? I want you to come and see. Thank you. I want you to come and see. That's what I've been wanting. Come and see. So I want you to come and see. So Simon Peter, he he goes and he experiences Jesus for himself. And then Jesus ends up coming to their house, Andrew and Simon Peter's home. And, uh, And then there's another guy there named Philip. And Philip has the chance to meet Jesus. And and. Philip leaves the house of Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and he goes and he, and he finds his friend named Nathaniel. And, and he says, Nathaniel, listen, this is the one that Moses and the prophets told us about. This is the one we've been waiting for hundreds of years for. It's the one, the chosen one, the promised one, the Messiah. His name is Jesus. And, and, and Nathaniel says, well, where's he from? And, and Philip says, well, he's from Nazareth. And I, and and Aunt, uh, Nathaniel's answer is golden. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? It would be like those from the East Bank. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm headed. Can anything good come from the West Bank? Or those from the West Bank saying they are the what? Best Bank. Yep, the four of them that are here. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says the same words to him. He says, what? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Then Nathaniel gets to meet Jesus, and when he meets Jesus, he, he literally has this experience with Jesus that kind of is, is incredible. It's an epiphany because Jesus says, hey, I've been knowing about you. And he talks to him and actually kind of, prophetically speaks into his life. And he says, how'd how'd you know anything about me? He says, oh, I saw you under the fig tree thinking to yourself about whether or not God is real and all of this. So Jesus actually reads Nathaniel's mind and Nathaniel's like, whoa, that's crazy. I think you're the one. Yes, I'm seeing for myself now. I'm experiencing you for myself. And Jesus looks at, at Nathaniel and he says, oh, you think that was cool. He says, and Jesus starts talking about a passage in Genesis chapter 28 where a guy named Jacob saw heaven open and there was a ladder where angels were coming and going. And and Jacob was literally dreaming of a day where people would have open access, a ladder to God. And Jesus basically tells Nathaniel that thing that you know about in Genesis chapter 28 about Jacob is happening right now. I am the open access. I am the ladder between heaven and earth. And you can have open access to God through me. Come on, y'all. 
It all started with come and see. It all started with a bunch of guys saying, come and see. And one guy told another guy, come and see. And then another guy said, come and see. And the movement grew from a few guys to 12 guys, to dozens of guys, to hundreds of of men and women and children, to thousands of men and women and children. And the movement is still growing today. The people that have experienced Jesus. This is how Christianity started. This is how the movement of Jesus' followers started, just by people saying, come and see. Now, if you're here today and you go, I'm not from a religious background, I don't even know what I think about God, I don't know what I think about Christianity, I don't know what I think about Jesus, I don't know what I think about religion or about church, I don't even know if I want to be in this church, I want to help you understand something. I'm not trying to explain religion to you this morning. I'm not trying to give you all the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not walking you through a million doctrines. I'm not defending what Christianity has become in our country and around the world, some of which I'm ashamed and embarrassed of. I'm not doing any of that. Here's what I'm telling you. If you're here today and you're on the journey and you're just thinking about God, here's my encouragement to you. Come and see. Come and see. Experience him for yourself. Just come and see what he'll do in your life. I know what he's done in mine. You see, telling someone the good news about Jesus is summarized in a word that I began with. It's a word called evangelism. And evangelism is a Greek word, and it's spelled like that. Good luck pronouncing it. I can't pronounce it because I didn't do well in Greek. Oh, come on, you did it. And it simply means spreading good news or one who spreads good news. Well, is that to try to get people to vote a certain way? Uh-uh. I got news for you. That ain't good news. Well, is that get people to, you know, start making better decisions and living a, a, a lifestyle that we agree with? No, that's not good news either. Evangelism means to tell people good news or to say, come and what? Come and see. It's an invitation. Come and see. The good news of what Jesus has done and the good news of what Jesus is doing in my life, in your life, in our church, around the world. But here's the problem. This word evangelism over time has become so complicated. It's become so frustrating because you you go and you want to tell people about Jesus and you say, but pastor, do I need to know like a hundred scriptures to be able to tell them? No, you don't have to know a hundred scriptures. I'm encouraging you to memorize the Bible, but you don't have to know a hundred scriptures to tell them about Jesus. But pastor, what if they ask me a question that, that I don't know the answer to? Well, here's what I usually do when that happens. I just say, I don't know. And, uh, and, and but, but pastor, should I try to re-preach your sermon from last Sunday or Pastor Daniel's sermon from last Sunday? Uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to memorize that sermon and try to re-preach it to somebody. Well, pastor, should I, should, is there a certain book that I should read to learn about how to do this thing called evangelism and how to reach people and how to invite people? No, you don't really have to do that either. Here's what you have to get used to saying. Hey, y'all, come and what? Hey, my neighbor, come and see. Hey, my family member, come and see. 
Hey, my son, my daughter who's away from God, just come and see. Hey, my friend, my coworker at work, hey, just, I just want you to just come and see. Just come and experience him for yourself. Just, just, just come and see. Another word for evangelism is enthusiastic advocate. Enthusiastic advocate. Now, people say, well, do I have to be like enthusiastic about this whole evangelism thing? Well, here's my response. You're enthusiastic about something. I don't know what you're enthusiastic about, but I know you got something. For some of us, it's the saints. Come on, somebody. Who that? For some of you, you're enthusiastic about a certain restaurant that you will go to and you will bring your guests to and that you are enthusiastic about. You will tell us what to order. You will tell us where to sit. You will tell us what to get for dessert. You are so excited. You are an advocate for that restaurant. For some of you, you're an advocate for a certain doctor that you go to that has really helped you. For some of you, you're an advocate for a certain school. Maybe it's LSU. I don't know. Okay? You're an advocate. Maybe it's Alabama. Nope, it's probably not. Uh, you are an enthusiastic advocate for something, for someone. Those of you that are dating people or, or got engaged, you're an enthusiastic. I, I was with somebody this week and they, <laughs> I asked them the question about their girlfriend. And we only had 90 minutes to get through some questions that I had for them. And, uh, and man, I just opened up the box and literally they just, and, and here, let me tell you one more thing. And then I love her about, and here's one of the other things I really like about her. You're going to like her. And just, and I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. You're an enthusiastic advocate for your girlfriend. We're all an enthusiastic advocate for something. I'm telling you that when I try to tell people that are new to New Orleans or that are going to come to New Orleans, when I try to explain what it's like to be in the dome for a Saints game, they just don't get it. And, and really, it makes me upset sometimes. Like, you don't understand what it's like. You don't understand the noise. You don't understand, man, the energy in the room. You don't understand the chant and, and all of that. And you, don't, you just don't understand. And what I want to do is, like, shake them, like, man, it's amazing. And then usually what I end up saying is, we're going to go to a game. Why? Because I need you to come and experience this for yourself. You won't understand until you experience it for yourself. You got to just come and see. A while ago, Christy and I, uh, had some important leaders that we were hosting here in New Orleans. They were from out of town, and uh, they had heard uh, about several different restaurants, and they asked us, they said, what, what restaurants do you want to go to? And I, I, I told them, uh, and this was a restaurant we were frequenting a lot at the time. We still enjoyed it as a family. It was a restaurant called That Dog. And uh, anybody had That Dog? Raise your hands if you know That Dog. Yeah, yeah, about half of you, okay? Now, when I heard about That Dog, the first time I heard about it, I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> it's hot dogs. Like, you know, how special is that? And, and the people that told me, they were like, no, you don't understand. It's not just hot dog. They got all these different kinds and these flavors and all of this. And so I was sold on the experience. I was sold to come and check it out for myself, to come and see well, I'm trying to explain this to these leaders that we're hosting in New Orleans, and they, were, they had the same response that I did the first time. Look, really, of all the restaurants in New Orleans, you're going to take us to hot dogs? And, uh, and I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's going to be amazing. It's going to change your life. You'll never be the same. You know? and, and, uh, and so we went to that dog, and they experienced that restaurant, and they, about halfway through the meal, they were like, okay, we get it. 
we get it. We're not only going to come back here, we're going to bring more people here. We want to bring guests back. We want to bring family members and, and friends back. Why? Because there are some things in life that can't just be explained. They've got to be experienced. Am I right? There's some things in our life that can't just be explained. They've got to be experienced. And I want you to understand something. The goal of the original followers of Jesus was not trying to explain something. It was to help people experience someone. They were not walking around just you know, arguing about doctrines or arguing about morality or arguing about this or arguing about that. There was one name on their lips that they said all the time, everywhere that they went, because they weren't just trying to explain something. They were trying to help people experience someone. Come on. What's our goal? Our goal is not to explain something, but to help people experience someone. The goal of us, as we do evangelism on a regular basis, even as we prepare for August 22nd, the goal is not, let me get in a theological debate with you about certain passages of Scripture and what they mean, and let me just talk to you about evolution uh, versus creationism, and, and let me just debate that with you, and debate this with you, and talk to you about my political views, and talk to you about that. No, 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 no. Listen, y'all. The goal is not to try to defend and explain something. The goal is to help them experience someone. This one that has changed my life. This one that has changed your life. I want to tell you, listen, if you're here and, and today and you are drawn, you are here because you are religious. In other words, you are here because of certain principles and practices. And I'm just telling you, listen to me. Like Pastor Daniel said, that is cold, dead, dry. You will burn out eventually on that. How do you stay a believer in Jesus? Here's how you do it. You continually experience Jesus over and over and over and over in your life. It goes past your brain. It gets into your heart. It gets into your spirit. It gets deep into your soul as you experience Jesus. I just have to tell you, listen to me, those of you that are newer here, those of you that are newer to me being your pastor, I just have to tell you, listen, this is why we exist as a church. Reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus is not just a cute statement that we say. This is why we exist. We exist to reach people. We exist to help them understand there's a perfect Savior that loves them, that wants them, that wants to love them, and wants to cherish them, that died for them, that rose from the dead for their sins, that literally conquered death, hell, and the grave, and they can experience him. This church will always be more focused on who we're trying to reach than who we're trying to keep. This church will always, just for you, my friend, this church will always, always be more focused on who we're trying to reach 
than who we're trying to keep. We're on mission. We're reaching imperfect people. It's pretty easy to do that when you know I'm an imperfect person. Somebody explained reaching people like this, and I love this statement. Telling people about Jesus is just like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I found bread, y'all. The bread of life. Come on. His name is Jesus. And I just want everybody in my life to experience him. I want my neighbor across the street to experience him. I want the people that are coming up in, in the fall to my new soccer team that I'm coaching. I want those parents and those students to experience him. I, I just want them to come and see. I just want them to experience Jesus. There's an incredible story in John chapter 9 about a man who was born blind. And he had literally never been able to see it. Some of you may know the story. I'll just summarize it quickly by telling you this man bumps into Jesus and, and has an experience with Jesus where Jesus puts mud over his eyes. And he goes and he cleans out his eyes. And all of a sudden, boom, his eyes are opened. He can see. And the religious leaders bring this man before him, and they question him because they don't like Jesus. They don't like Jesus. I always say if you don't have a few religious people mad at you, you're not enough like Jesus. And they don't like Jesus. And they're not happy with what's happened, how this man has been, been blind, and now Jesus has healed him. And they bring him once, and they say, I he says, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, all I know is that Jesus healed my eyes. Like, I, I'm not trying to get into all that you're trying to do and all you're trying to question and all you're trying to ask me and this trap that you're trying to create for me and for Jesus. I'm not into all that. And there, so the Bible says they bring him a second time before these religious leaders. I want you to hear his words as the band comes. A second time, they summon the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. In other words, hey, you're not telling the truth. Tell us the truth. He says, we know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the reasons why Christianity is sometimes not what it should be. I don't have all the defense of every single argument that people have against Christians or against God or against Jesus. I know this. I was blind. Now I see. And what I want my neighbor, my friends, my family, everybody in my life to do is come and see. I think about the people that are in this room today. And many of you are here because someone said, come and see. Someone invited you. Someone literally just said, come and see. I think about my friend Ashley, who my friend Jerry is, is here, and you're going to see a video about them coming soon, about Ashley and Jerry, because they were talking about 
their views on faith. They were talking about God. And Ashley literally just said, hey, why don't you just come and see? Why don't you just come, come to my church and just see for yourself? And here's Jerry, still here, volunteer on the live production team, just about to become a member next week. We will uh, have the opportunity to bring her on stage and honor her as a member. Why? Because Ashley just said, come and see. I think about our live production director in the back, Schaefer, just wave at everybody. Ashley again, this is an awesome evangelist. Ashley said, come and see. Well, I said to Ashley, I said, I want you to come and see. She already knew Jesus for sure, but I said, I want you to come and see what God's going to do in New Orleans. She was a part of our, our team that, that really was in the beginning of the church when, when this whole thing started. And then Ashley worked with Schaefer. She said, come and see. And Schaefer did not know God. He was far from, from Jesus. He had a whole bunch of things, and he'll tell you about that if you ask him. Just messed up stuff, okay? And we worked with Schaefer. Eventually gave his life to Jesus. Now he's one of our team leaders running our live production on Sunday mornings. Why? Because Ashley said, come and see. And then, Ash, uh, then Schaefer met this girl. And we're so thankful about this girl, because we were praying for Schaefer. We weren't sure. We weren't sure. We were all praying for Schaefer. A lot. And he met this girl named Hannah. I don't know if Hannah's here in the room, but she's here somewhere. I saw her this morning. But Schaefer and Hannah are married, by the way. Prayer does work. Prayer does work. And Schaefer said to Hannah, come and see. And now Hannah's become a part of our family and is drawing closer and closer and growing in her relationship with Jesus. I think of my friend Anna here, who, who I got to invite. There's Hannah. I got to invite. We were just talking about you. I want you to know that. And said, come and see. Anna's here. I, I look around the room, and there's so many of these stories where people just said, hey, just come and see. Just come and see. Our church was built on this. Our church was built on people being missional and not just trying to argue and defend and explain and all of that. It was built on come and see because Jesus needs to be experienced, not explained. He needs to be experienced, not explained. I want you to know that God this morning, is asking you to be on mission. He's asking you to not only come and see what Jesus will do in your life for yourself, he's asking you to invite others. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus can do for you. Just, just experience it for yourself. Forget all the what you think Christianity is and everything, all the arguments and all the stuff you see on social media just come and see. Just come and experience him for yourself. Because I promise you, if you'll do that, it will change your life. Because all I know is I was blind, but now I can see. I experienced him. And I want everyone else to come and see.